This information is subject to a disclaimer at the end of this podcast. Please ensure that you listen to the disclaimer and go to www.ubs.com for further information about UBS. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning into UBS's Global Research Pod Hub, a channel that shares insights from economists, strategists, and equity analysts on the pivotal questions and events shaping today's markets. My name is Bhanu Baveja, Chief Strategist at UBS, and in this episode, we'll be discussing our global economics and markets outlook for 2024-2025, which consists of over 20 essays, 24 trade ideas, more than 600 charts, and three alternative scenarios. I'm joined by Aaron Captain, Chief Economist at UBS, to discuss this. So Aaron, let's talk markets. Yes, time for me to ask you some questions. Um, how are you thinking about value across assets? Yeah, so we're looking at the world from a equity risk premium lens, which is the relative valuation of bonds to equities. And in some markets, it's reached a very extreme level, right? So in the US, for instance, if you look at a 100-year history of the equity risk premium, uh, you're at about 18 percentile. And there have been two phases where equity risk premium has been even lower than this. But those two phases were around the Great Depression and around the Nasdaq bubble. So sure, you can go lower because these phases were not just three-day phases. They lasted almost for 10 years each. You can go lower, but it can't be your base case that the equity risk premium will decline from here. Again, you're at a very low point in the equity risk premium distribution. So feel reasonably strongly that bonds are going to outperform equities in the US. Now, that's not true everywhere because if you look at sort of these proxies of exposed equity risk premium across all markets, you find that the US almost defines one end of the ERP spectrum. India is a little bit more extreme, but really US as a main market is one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum is China, where in fact bonds have become more expensive relative to equities. What I should be saying is that equities have become much cheaper relative to bonds. Question is which bonds and what part of the curve? So you know, this the central pillar of all of our calls is the Fed call, right? We, we're, we're looking for the Fed to go from 550 to 275. So it's a 275 decline. And therefore, the central pillar of our market calls is the US two-year. So we think the US two-year comes off quite aggressively through the course of next year. Uh, We think tens will come off as well, uh, but much less than the two-year. So there will be a steepening of the curve. Uh, The term premium that's going to come in is through a bull steepening, not a bear steepening, right? By the way, the the forward curve is also steep, steeper than the spot curve, but not nearly as much as it should be. Uh, it basically, the two-year is most wrong, we think. What the markets are pricing, it is about 57, 58 basis points at the time of recording uh, of, of one-year change in the two-year rate. So over the next 12 months, the two-year rate is expected to come down by about 57 basis points. We think it's going to be more than three times that, right? So, so the, the forwards are, are, are pricing in basically the Fed view. But because we think the Fed is going to be cut, cutting much more than what they are suggesting in their SCP, we think the two-year in the U.S. comes off quite aggressively. But it's not just the U.S. There are many other markets where central banks are going to be cutting quite aggressively as the disinflation process evolves further or deepens further. Uh, um, some of the other markets that we received in the front end are UK, we would be received in Brazil, we'd be received in Mexico, we'd be received in Korea, although not at the very front end and the long end, uh, but also in New Zealand. So quite a few markets where we think the disinflation process will mean central banks will cut uh, much more than forecast. The one market where that's not the case and where we're actually paid rates is Japan. Okay, so now what do you do with equity in this environment where growth is very weak? And, and do the bonds protect you against potential downside risk? Yeah, so we're playing old school defense, right? So, so if you look at the equity market this year, 
there's not much between value and growth. Growth has outperformed value by a smidgen, but there's a massive difference between cyclicals and defensives. Cyclicals have massively outperformed defensives, and we think next year is the opposite. Our, our basic view is that cyclical equities here are pricing in a growth reality, which is, well, unrealistic. It's not a reality. We think it's it's much too high. So they're pricing in PMIs of close to 55, 56. They're pricing in almost just a mid-cycle slowdown and then a subsequent expansion, a legitimate expansion. And we don't think that expansion is coming. We think this is going to sputter along the bottom. The ISMs are going to sputter along the bottom. And as a result of this, we think um, cyclical equities will fall. So when we think about industry groups, industry groups like industrials and within that capital goods are ones that we are most cautious on, particularly in Europe. We think Eurozone is going to lag uh, an equal weighted S&P and, and Asia tech is going to outperform US tech. So uh, Europe and particularly cyclicals and particularly industrials and cap goods is what we are most cautious on, but more generally as well cyclicals in the consumer discretionary space, in the financial space. We think they've actually seen the best of their rally, including in Europe this year. And I should say that our overall numbers for um, the markets are also pretty mediocre. So we're expecting mediocre returns in equities. In the US, about 5% returns from where we sit today till the end of 2024. Uh, and in, the, in, in Europe, we're actually looking for modestly negative returns. So we're looking for 410 on euro stocks by the end of 2024. Positive in, in emerging markets, which usually doesn't happen, usually in a bad world, EM underperformance. But I think it's a statement on the starting points are so different. And really, when we speak about EM, we're talking about North Asia. So it's China, Korea, Taiwan. It's the Asia tech cycle. It's the semi-cycle, which we think is adequately priced in the US, but not in Asia. And so your dollar hasn't done very much this year. How are you thinking about that for next year? Do you know, I mean, if you look at euro dollar and interest rate differentials, it's the same chart. It's just completely inverted. So there's just been one dimension to euro dollar through the course of the year, which is interest rate differentials. And if, if that normal service sort of continues, then through the course of next year, we're expecting a significant contraction in interest rate differentials. So just to give you some back of the envelope calculations, um, if you were to see a contraction in uh, US relative to US spreads or interest rate spreads two years, of about 150 basis points, uh, which is roughly what we're expecting. That's about seven to 10% on euro dollar, right? Um, and we th we're actually just putting our forecast at the lower end of that spectrum at 115 on euro dollar because we're expecting 150 to 175 basis points in terms of contraction of the US two year relative to the European 10 year. In addition to that, there's also going to be sort of positive alpha coming from the fact that the outflows that we saw from Europe, the portfolio outflows, particularly debt outflows that we saw from Europe when ECB was negative and European rates were negative, are slowly reversing. So Europe, Europe's portfolio balance is getting better. So that's going to be slightly positive. Alpha, the beta is just to interest rates and, and that we, it's going to maintain. So euro dollar is, is at 115, but that's not the most interesting call. I think the strongest call is, is Japan. I think it's the yen because that's the one currency that has suffered the most from US's carry. And therefore, as US cuts rates and the carry diminishes, that's the one that's going to benefit the most. It also has the advantage of uh, the call being that BOJ is going to start changing its monetary policy in April after the spring wage negotiations. But that's the minor part of the yen call. The major part of the yen call is the Fed. So the yen goes to 130. Gold is, is something that also does quite well as real interest rates decline in the US. Euro goes to 115, modest appreciation. EM very clearly lags, which was our call this year and is also our call for next year. Okay. Um, now, 
obviously some risk to your view, right? What do you think are the main ones and how do you protect against it? So the view is quite cautious and therefore the risks to our view are mainly to the right tail, right? And, and that's why we have recommended three right tail trades as against one left tail, uh, one left tail trade. So I'll get the left tail trade out of the way first. Um, the left tail trade is that China really drags down the global economy, really drags down Europe, and where the most convex expression of that is in senior fins protection, we think, right now in Europe. But as I said, what we are more worried about is the right tail because our base case view is, is much more cautious. So, so what could be the right tail trade? That in fact, the mid-cycle view is actually the right view, that you don't get anywhere close to a recession, you get a mid-cycle slowdown and then a proper expansion. In that case, small caps are going to do extremely well. The other uh, risk is that in fact, global inflation doesn't calm down as we are saying and inflation sort of continues to, 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 to remain hot. And if that were to be the case, then Japan is one place that will see higher inflation, a complete change in the way locals, including locals, not just global investors, but local investors think about earnings and think about inflation, and they will get crowded into the market further. So, and, and then if you do see China surprising on the upside, including on the property market, so instead of just being sequentially improving modestly, but you get a proper policy cycle, 2016-esque, 15-16-esque sort of policy cycle and therefore growth cycle in China, Commodity, commodities will do very well. Great, thanks very much. So Ari, let me try and summarize the five most important calls we are making in the markets portion of the Outlook Report. So the first one is that we're looking at the world from an equity risk premium lens. We much prefer bonds to equities in the US, uh, less so Europe, but in China it's the opposite, where we expect uh, equities will do better than bonds. We're looking for mediocre returns in equities, about 5% returns in the S&P and modestly negative returns in Eurozone. Uh, within the bond market, in most cases, we are looking for the front end to do better than the back end, but we're also looking for the back end yields to come down. So front end yields come down more than back end yields come down, curves steepen, and that's how the term premium comes into the equation. Within equities, we're avoiding cyclicality and we're playing defense. Between markets, we prefer an equal weighted S&P to Euro stocks, we think Asia tech will outperform other markets as a result of which we are a little more bullish on emerging markets than we are on developed markets, but overall mediocre returns in equities. Number four, as a result of the aggressive cutting cycle from the Fed, we are looking for the dollar to weaken against G10 currencies, particularly the yen and gold, but we're also looking for euro dollar to move higher. So 130 on dollar yen, 115 on euro dollar by the end of next year. We're expecting EM currencies to lag just the way they did through 2023. We think EM currencies are going to lag. Uh, we are cautious on the ribbon B against a G3 basket. And lastly, because our view is quite cautious, we are also thinking about the right tail. So Arun, why don't we wrap it up there? Thanks very much for your time and thank you for yours. Thank you for visiting UBS's Research Pod Hub. That was an overview on our global economics and markets outlook for 2024 and 2025 with me and Aaron Captain, Chief Economist at UBS. Tune in again for more investment insights. This content has been prepared by UBS AG, its subsidiaries and or affiliates, and is purely informational in nature. It is not investment research and does not contain an investment recommendation nor investment or professional advice. It is not an offer or solicitation to engage in any investment activity, and you should seek your own financial, tax, and legal advice before engaging in any such activity. 
UBS has no responsibility to you in relation to this content and has no regard to your personal circumstances or investment objectives, and receiving it does not imply any form of client relationship with UBS for any legal, regulatory, or tax purpose. This content is not intended for distribution into any jurisdiction where to do so would be contrary to law or regulation. UBS does not accept any liability over the content of such material or reliance upon any information contained herein. The views and opinions expressed by any guest speaker or third party are not those of UBS. Accordingly, UBS does not accept any liability over any such views and opinions expressed by such persons. This content is the valuable intellectual property of UBS, and UBS specifically prohibits the redistribution of it in whole or in part without its prior written permission. Copyright UBS 2023. The key symbol and UBS are among the registered and unregistered trademarks of UBS. All rights reserved.